contact with friends and family and, uh, and perhaps be able to appreciate and be reminded of the great blessings that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, scripture says that everything good comes from God, and we have a lot of things good. Yeah, there are some difficulties that we're all facing, some more than others, and our hearts go out to you. But also, uh, we have such tremendous blessings, especially in this country, in the United States. If you're watching around the world in some other places, uh, and wherever you are today, I wish you God's greatest blessings. Uh, we've been looking through the book of Philippians. Next Sunday will be our last study, actually, on December 13th. That'll be our last study during this series of uh, as we look at uh, the uh, story of Paul and the Philippians. And we reach a very significant passage today in Philippians 4 that really cements their uh, relationship with each other. So I see we have several of our wonderful friends uh, joining. Larry and Lynn Murphy, hello to you. Uh, what a blessing and encouragement you are uh, to, all of, to all of us and especially to Joyce and me. And uh, uh, hello to Lenny and Joe Allard, my dear, dear friends in Arlington, and to Eric and Cindy Mosley, who looks like they're uh, tuning in from Natchez. Glad to see you. Wonderful to uh, have you with us and looking forward to being able to uh, see you and be with you as we share from Philippians chapter 4. Um, it's, uh, it's an incredible passage. Last Sunday during the Thanksgiving weekend, at the end of the Thanksgiving weekend, we looked at that great verse, um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, through him who gives me strength. And so we are, um, we're, we're looking at that verse again today, last week, in just a short devotional message. Uh, mentioned that verse, Philippians 4, 13. Today we see it in the broader context of that whole passage in Philippians 4. And so one more hello before we get into Philippians 4, 10 through 20. Uh, hello to my dear friend and brother Kyle Clayton. Uh, and to Linda Riddell as well, lots of old friends that are joining me uh, from days gone by, and what a blessing it is, and Kyle, you and your family, um, very special to me, and you are my brother, not only in Jesus Christ, but the fact that we lived under the same roof for a while when your family opened up with generous hearts uh, to a 17-year-old boy who had lost his mother. And um, my heart goes out to you, and I'm thinking of all of you and your family in prayer um, during this time. Um, I, uh, I want us to get into Philippians chapter 4, and I want to begin by saying this is not a passage about giving, per se. Okay, it kind of is. It kind of is, and we're going to talk about giving. And Philippians 4.13, interestingly enough, is in the context of, of looking to God to provide for us uh, material things that are needed. Of course, we use that passage in other ways, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I want us to begin by saying this passage is about a few other things, not just giving, and I want to be able to share about that today. And so the first part of the passage in verses 10 through 13 deal with contentment. This passage, Philippians 4 verses 10 through 20, is about uh, contentment. And so reading Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13. So there you have it. There you see it in its context, something we don't always realize. Uh, but the passage is about contentment. In fact, Philippians 4.13, in the direct, immediate context, is about contentment. It's about trusting in a God who provides for us, sometimes differently than what we expect, uh, differently than what we may even hope, but always provides for us the things that we need. And so this passage, including Philippians 4.13, is about contentment. It's about contentment. That's not a very popular word in our society here in the United States. Uh, and that's something that is um, um, difficult for us. It's kind of like we're swimming upstream there because our culture doesn't teach contentment. Uh, our culture teaches surplus. It teaches extravagance. Um, I'm certainly not against marketing companies. We do the same thing and have been talking about that recently and will in the days and weeks ahead about being able to share the good news about our church family and how we can quote-unquote market the good things that our West Irwin Church of Christ is doing uh, so that folks will know. Folks will know. But I, and I'm, so I'm not against that concept, but I do understand that the whole idea and reasoning behind commercials on television or ads on the internet or in uh, print uh, all of those things have to do with trying to get you to feel less than content. And so maybe it's by more, by this product, by, by more of that product, by this product from us. Reach out to us for help. Reach out to us for uh, something, some service we can provide. And again, in a free country, in a capitalist structure, that's a good thing. And we see that all the time, and I think our nation is better because of those opportunities. What a blessing it is uh, to walk through a grocery store and see full shelves. One thing that 2020 has taught us here in America is that those shelves aren't always full, necessarily. And there are products and items that we might need that sometimes we just can't find. Um, and that's, that helps us to remember that material things are just that, they're material things. This passage in Philippians 4, starting in verse 10, is talking about being content. Being content with what you have, being content with what you are. Uh, not so much to where you don't try to grow and you don't try to improve, but recognizing that at the heart of all of that, there is still a sense of deep contentment. Because I believe on its ultimately, contentment stems from our trust in God rather than our reliance and trust in our circumstances. We talked about that this morning in our Bible class time and in our church service about the hope that we have being stemmed in Jesus Christ and Him alone. We sang the song today, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We, we sing that. And the words sound good to us, but when push comes to shove, will we be able to actually practice that? And Paul could. Paul could. 
Um, he learned to be content in the difficult and hard times as well as in the good times and easy times. And that's something that we read throughout Scripture. Um, a very important passage on this is in the Old Testament, actually, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. Because in that passage, the wise man in Proverbs is praying a prayer and he says, Lord, don't let me be too wealthy or too poor, uh, because if I'm too poor, I might be tempted to steal, and that would be wrong and sinful. But if I'm too wealthy, I might be tempted to trust in my wealth, in my material possessions, in myself, rather than trusting in you, the great provider of those things. I think that's a, a great prayer to have. And it's one that whatever our situation, we can certainly pray. Other great passages such as Matthew 6, that wonderful passage, one of my wife Joyce's favorite passages where uh, uh, Jesus talks about uh, trusting ultimately in the Father and, and says he will provide. He'll provide you the things that you need, just like he provides for the grass and the flowers in the field and just like he provides for the birds of the air. Uh, he provides for us, and we mean so much more to him. Um, and Jesus reminds us that God can be trusted and that we can be content with what he provides. Uh, in Luke 11, that wonderful version of what we call um, the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, also, we see that, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount as well in Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, Luke chapter 12, Jesus comes down pretty hard on those who would not be content. Tells that story of the very selfish man who uh, saw his crop uh, multiply so much that he didn't have barns to fill it, and rather than sharing with others who were in need, he said, I, I'm, I think I'll just build bigger barns. I'm always struck in that passage in Luke 12, verses 13 through 21, about how many times the first person pronoun is there in the words of that man. He talks about I and my and all of the things that he owned and that he wanted uh, rather than the things that he could do with the great blessings that God provides for him. I've known wonderful people throughout my life in every church I've been to that uh, who God blessed with a great ability to uh, be very successful financially. And in every case, they have been individuals who were more than generous who shared with others who were in need, who shared with, with us and our family, who shared with the church, with those who were down on their luck perhaps, or those who uh, just were having a hard time. We've seen that in 2020 also. People stepping up and rising up to give a little bit more when they can for the sake of those who perhaps had lost their jobs and their source of income and, and were in a place where they not only couldn't give any of their income, they had none, they had to reach out to others for help. I've known lots of people like that through the years, everywhere I've been, and what a blessing you are and have been to so many. Um, we see Paul talking in, earlier in Philippians 4, saying, rejoice in the Lord always, and saying, look, when you're, when you're in difficult times, pray. Uh, trust God and, uh, and pray and, and accept the peace that passes all understanding that will come to you. Um, Paul speaks a lot about uh, giving and contentment and trusting in God versus material things uh, to the young preacher Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And a great, great passage on that is seen in 1 Timothy 6 um, verses 17 
through 19. These words from the Apostle Paul for Timothy to share. Command those who are rich in this present world, 1 Timothy 6, 17, not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Do you want to know whether or not you're trusting in things and possessions and yourself rather than in the Lord who provides those things? Uh, Paul tells us how. We can know that. How tightly do you hold on to those things? Do you hold on to them with a a tight grasp and unwilling to uh, open that fist up? Or do you hold on to them with an open hand, willing to give some of what you have uh, for the sake of others? Uh, that's that's the one key thing that we can look to and ask ourselves, how content am I? Uh, am I willing to trust in the Lord or am I trusting in things? Uh, these verses and so many others, including the great passage in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 that we'll mention again later, these passages give us a couple of principles regarding material things that I think are important for all of us, but especially uh, for those of us Uh, who live in the United States in a very blessed nation. Um, Even the poorest among us are are so much better off than the vast majority of the world. And and most all of us uh, would be in that top, top, top percentage of of people in the world as far as material possessions. And so a couple of principles from Philippians 4. Number one, trust God, not money. Trust God, not job. Trust God, not income. Trust God, not uh, anything else, because that is called idolatry in the Bible. In the first of the Ten Commandments, put no other God before me, the Lord says. Uh, Jesus says he will provide for us. And then secondly, trust God, not money. And then secondly, we are stewards, not owners. See yourself as a steward of what you have, not as the owner of it, but rather as someone that God has entrusted Uh, these possessions with for the sake of others, for the sake of his world. Uh, That's what Paul counsels to Timothy about. And so it involves counting our blessings as we got to do this past week in the Thanksgiving season. And that's crucial for contentment to be possible, to recognize what you have, to focus on what you have and not on what you don't have, uh, to focus on how you can use what you do have for the glory of God and to help and serve others. I love this quote from Rick Ashley. Uh, Most think happiness leads to gratefulness, but it's actually the other way around. I mentioned that before, and it's a great, great idea that our happiness doesn't come from the things that we have, but rather our, we have that sense of joy when we are content, uh, when we are trusting in God, and, um, and when we have gratitude. That's what leads to our joy and to our contentment. What a great quote. And so again, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can you? That's the question in the lesson today. Can, can you really do that? Is Christ enough? Can you do all things through him who gives you strength? Um, this verse is not talking in the context uh, about some of the situations that we have traditionally applied it to. And that's okay. We can apply it to other things when you're going through a rough time that may not have anything to do with material things. 
when you're going through a, a deeply physical battle, an illness, or the loss of a loved one, or uh, a, a situation with a conflict with someone you love. Um, this is a great and powerful verse that applies to that, but I want us to be reminded today of the context, the original context for these words. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because the original context was someone, Paul the Apostle, speaking, saying, talking about contentment, talking about being willing to trust God with the material possessions that he has given us, knowing that it will be enough. Um, Paul was speaking of his daily bread and his trust in God as the provider of all he needs. And so in Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13 especially, the question is, can I be content without blank? <laughs> and each of us has to fill in that blank. Each of us has to put there in that blank. What is our most treasured possession? What is the thing that we value in this life more than anything else? And the question from Paul today is, can I be content without that? Because those things are, are material things, they're things associated with this world, and most of them are very, very good things, and that's what makes it hard. It's not a choice between a good thing and a bad thing. It's a choice between good things, but the question is, what is the most important thing? What is the thing that I trust in, that I value more than anything else? Uh, and can I be content with God, uh, even if it means losing some of those other things that I value and treasure greatly? I believe that's the question of Philippians 4 and what Paul learned, who gave up so much for the cause of Christ. Uh, what he learned was that it, with a little or a lot, he said, I have learned the secret of being content. I can be content. Um, the issue is uh, who or what gives me strength. Paul says, I can be strong. I can do all things through Christ who gives me that strength. And so this passage is about contentment. But secondly, this passage is about partnership. It's about being partners. And it, and it goes back to Philippians chapter 1, the very first words that Paul says when he talks about their partnership in the gospel with him. And the reason that that was a partnership and that word that he uses in Philippians 1 is the word fellowship, koinonia, that special communion, that special connection, that special fellowship and partnership that Paul had with the Philippians because they financially supported him. My dear friend, I mentioned Kyle Clayton and his wonderful parents, Ron and Karen Clayton, Kyle and Sony and, and um, uh, all of their family have been such wonderful missionaries to India. Uh, and, and have had so many wonderful people supporting them in that work. And I know that they understand this passage perhaps far better than I could. I understand it from the perspective of being supported by the church myself for 40-plus years of full-time ministry. It's a, it's a great, great blessing. And, and, and I, I view those, those churches and I view those people as, as partners in ministry. This is a partnership, and that's how Paul viewed it. And the church at Philippi supported him from the very start. And so these words, Philippians 4, beginning at verse 14. Yet it was good, after speaking about contentment, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says that doesn't mean that the material possessions that you sent to the Philippians are not valued and, and greatly needed and appreciated. 
Verse 14 of Philippians 4, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, the district, the northern district of Greece, where Philippi was, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, where he went after leaving Philippi, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Epaphroditus had been one he had mentioned earlier in the letter, pointing to him and to Timothy as great models and examples of Christian service. Epaphroditus, one of their own, uh, and obviously the man who... Uh, came to Paul and worked with Paul and now was being sent back to Philippi uh, with this letter, having been sent to Paul with their gift from the church there. Again, verse 18, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. What a great and wonderful passage. Paul speaks about contentment. This passage is about contentment, but then he speaks about partnership. You see, being content doesn't mean that we don't need things. <laughs> it doesn't mean that we just forget about all of those things and say, well, I know God will take care of me. Well, yes, he will take care of us, but sometimes he takes care of us through the giving and the partnership of others. And Paul recognized that, and he acknowledged that. This passage is about partnership. And again, the Philippians had helped Paul in the financial needs of his ministry from the very start. In Acts 16, uh, when Paul, in the early days of that answering that Macedonian call, <clears throat> going first to Philippi, going to that place of prayer on the Sabbath, seeing some women there, uh, and preaching to them about the message of Jesus Christ. And one of those and her family baptized into Jesus that very day. That was Lydia. And Lydia, from the very start, helped Paul in his ministry. He, she told them, you guys are coming home with me today. You can stay at my home and I'll provide for you. What a great, great blessing she was. It's possible that Lydia continued to be one of the primary uh, supporters financially of Paul and his ministry. Um, and we know certainly that the church at Philippi was. Again, in the very first section of Philippians chapter 1, he talks to them about their partnership in ministry with him using that word fellowship, koinonia, to describe that partnership. To the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he talks to them about storing up a gift that they can give to Paul and uh, talking to them using likely the Philippians as an example. In 2 Corinthians 8, he speaks about the Macedonians, which includes Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea, but as we read from this passage, primarily the church at Philippi. And as we see from Philippians 4, they, they were the ones who sent him aid while he was here writing these letters uh, from uh, uh, under some kind of house arrest in Rome, likely. And they sent financial aid to him to support the cause of Christ, to support the servant, Paul the Apostle. 
and he says, oh, you've, I have more than enough. I have more than I need because you have so richly given and sacrificially provided for me. In chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us why they were willing to do that. He says they first gave themselves to the Lord. And that's what, that's what that means. When you give yourself first to the Lord, then it's natural that the material things are going to follow. They just naturally do because you've already given everything. And so now you see those material possessions as a part of the gift from God as well that he has given to us for the sake of helping and serving others. That is, that's how Paul saw it, and he recognized that. To the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he acknowledges that he hadn't asked for their financial support. In fact, we see the church at Philippi supporting him when nobody else did as he says. And we recognize that even sending aid to him while he was on his mission journeys, uh, such as in Thessalonica, uh, Paul had a great and very special relationship with the church at Philippi. I think we see that in the words that he writes, What perhaps one of the most positive, if not the positive, most positive letter from the Apostle Paul is this letter to the church at Philippi, calling on us to rejoice, to be content, to be partners in ministry. As God provided for Paul, he says, so he would provide for the Philippians. He tells them in this passage, I know that my God will supply your every need. He tells the Corinthians the same thing in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, that whatever you give, whether it's a little or a lot, and our giving is based on what we have, not on what we don't have. Our giving is done uh, uh, voluntarily, our giving is done joyfully and cheerfully. All of those things we read about in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. But we also recognize that we give faithfully, and that means we give out of a sense of trust. Trust that our great God will provide for our needs, just as he's using us to provide for the needs of others. That's exactly what Paul tells the Philippians in this passage, that just as you have provided for my needs by sending this gift, through my friend and co-worker and your brother, Epaphroditus. I know that he will provide for you as well. In Malachi chapter 3, the Old Testament prophet that ends the Old Testament in our, in our Bibles, um, Malachi talks about robbing God. And he says, look, how do you rob God? Well, you rob God when you don't give as he has prospered you. Uh, in fact, he challenges the people of his day, hundreds of years before Jesus came. And he tells them, look, God is telling you, test me in this. Uh, I'll prove it to you. You give as you've been prospered, and I will provide for you. You just watch. Malachi challenges the people of his day and us as well. And we remember the, the wonderful shepherd's uh, psalm, the 23rd psalm, as David begins it, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. May not have everything that I desire but I'll have everything that I need. That's Jesus' point in, in Matthew uh, chapter 6. That's Paul's point here in Philippians 4. That's what God is telling us today, that he can be trusted. Even in the midst of a pandemic year of 2020, um, he'll provide for us. But let's remember, let's not see ourselves just as the Apostle Paul here, receiving help when it's needed from others. But let's also see ourselves, perhaps especially, in the role of the Philippian church, those who gave, those who sacrificed, to be able to provide for Paul. And in so doing, they were partners in ministry together with him. Every good thing that Paul did 
Uh, the Philippians had a part in it because they provided uh, some of the physical needs that Paul would have as he gave his life to preaching the gospel. Uh, Jesus had people around him that helped provide for his needs as well. And what a blessing that is to be partners in ministry uh, together, just as Paul was with the Philippians. And so this passage, as we begin to close, is about contentment. It's about being content, whatever the circumstances, recognizing that our trust is in God, not in our things, not in our stuff, not in our jobs, not in our bank accounts, but rather our trust is in God. And so we can be content with a little or a lot. We can do anything and everything through Christ who gives us strength. This passage is about contentment, and this passage is about partnership, being partners in ministry together. The early church, starting in the earliest time in Acts chapter 2, were there for each other. They provided for each other as anyone had need. Those who had plenty would share what they had um, with others. We see that from the earliest days in the church, and we see it in the church today. What a glorious and wonderful thing. I've always been around very generous people within the church who gave far more than people knew because of their love for God and because they knew that their trust and their hope, their joy was found in God and, and, in, and in providing some of the things that he has blessed them with for the sake of others that have far, far less. What a great blessing they are uh, to the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, this passage is about contentment. This passage is about partnership. And so that word that we've mentioned today, this passage is about fellowship. It's about fellowship with each other, the kind of fellowship and partnership that Paul and the Philippians enjoyed. Um, but it's also about fellowship with God. That great verse in 1 John chapter 1, uh, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship and partnership with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all our sins. Not only do we have fellowship with each other, but we have fellowship with God. Next week, we'll look at the final lesson and close out this great study of the book of Philippians, this book calling us uh, to rejoice even in difficult times. Uh, and I look forward to that as well. And I'll leave you with these words from Philippians chapter 4, verse 20. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.